Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, the only thing that matters is the Gator game. We are not talking about anything that happened in Five Wide. Absolutely none of it happened. Oh, contraire. We are I throwing would it beg out the window. to differ. <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting how you're so selective in what weeks you decide to break down the games ah. that happened. I, meanwhile, <laughs> talk about every game that happened I don't every make the single rules. week. There's no personal bias as to why. Absolutely not. I no, am just none a man of, of a code. A man's got to have a code. Listen, <laughs> I'm just, first of all, fantastic reference. Second of all, um, you know, I'm just trying to have a press conference at the Four Seasons Total Landscape. That's all I'm having. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just trying to push my own narrative, whether it's true or not. I'm just trying to push now, it. You're a head coach after a bad loss that is doing a Zoom uh, interview press conference. And keeps every time he gets a question he doesn't like, be like, I can't. I you broke up on that one. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm purposely. I'm talk like uh, 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 that's what I'm doing on purpose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we will get to five wide later on. In in its truthfulness, I promise I will be impartial and truthful. Um, we're gonna get to rapid reactions, but Tyler, we need to start in Columbia, South Carolina, where a head coaching All position. All good things start. <laughs> debatable very uh, debatable <laughs> no offense to columbia south carolina i've been there i spent a, an evening in a hotel there on my drive um up north nothing but love um shout out to the pizza hut there next to the waffle house big fan um <laughs> that i'm not joking that was my dinner uh no we're talking about the university of south carolina hiring shane beamer uh i was gonna say former son no he's still the son <laughs> <laughs> whoa <laughs> just throw it out accusations there just listen no but i i was gonna say that's another level of disownment i was gonna say son of former virginia tech head there coach legendary frank beamer um he's currently or was previously at the university of oklahoma as the assistant head coach and the tight ends coach Shane Beamer has a bunch of ties to the sta- special teams background, baby. special teams background. He has a bunch of ties to the state of South Carolina. He was born in Charleston, a city that I did spend a year of my life in. Uh, he was born in Charleston. He was in a defensive assistant under uh, Steve Spurrier when he was at South Carolina. He was also a grad assistant under um, Phil Fulmer at Tennessee. So he's been around the SEC. He gets the job at South Carolina, local guy, Tyler. What do we think of the hire? Uh, multiple thoughts about this, but the the main thought that I have about this can be boiled down to one word. Meh. I mean... Well said. Meh. I, I, I mean, this can, and this goes, this can also eventually, it depends on how his tenure at South Carolina goes, but this could ultimately be a good thing in the fact that I don't know what to expect at all with Shane Beamer. Right. Like, and some people will take that as a good thing. Um, other people will take that probably most people take that as a well i don't know what am i what's the thing you're supposed to hang your hat on here exactly i mean you know just saying last time i can remember a special teams background coach getting hired at a big time job it worked out great for all the schools involved in in the versions of national championships um yes yes i'm talking about urban Urban meyer um but and i want to clarify that i'm not saying shane beamer is urban meyer uh i yeah i mean this could work out it it and I obviously was not. We we obviously aren't in the interview room. I don't right. know what Shane Beamer's like in the interview room. Mm-hmm. Um, he could very well be an absolute, um, like great, great fit for for South Carolina. But 
I do kind of have, and this is just a me thing, like, I'm, not only is it man on the hire, but I'm a little, like, disappointed that there were, that this is who they decided to hire, you know, like, I feel like there were a lot of other coaches, specifically black head, co- black coaches and black coordinators that have way better resume mm-hmm. and wouldn't get hired just based off the merits of their last name. Right. Uh, and that's that's something when it gets into a larger conversation of the pipeline of black coaches and that within the sport. Right. Um, and I don't want to pin it all on South Carolina in the case of like if Shane Beamer, you of all the people you interviewed, you did you did truly think was the best hire, then By do all that. Means. But we won't know that for a long time. So right. And and it's not like this program is in a state where they can kind of plug and play. You know, this there needs to be some rebuilding. Yeah. That, that's being done. I think my one of my biggest things, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the, um, I don't know if Shane Bieber would have been given the amount of attention that he would have gotten and consideration if his last name wasn't Beamer and maybe if his skin tone was a bit darker. That's a deeper conversation for another day. And as you said, um, I'm sure that South Carolina, when, you know, Frank Beamer, the candidate, regardless of his last name, is a good fit for them. That's what they feel. Right. But I'm also quite, quite curious at other coaches, you know, other, other coaches at the group of five level that, you know, may have been, I don't want to say a better fit for this job, but have kind of made more sense. I feel like the entire hiring process at South Carolina, a felt a bit rushed. Yeah. B, we didn't really hear much about them vetting out many different uh, candidates. We, we kind of heard, we heard last week, a rumor about Shane Beamer and we both texted each other and said, I don't know if it's really realistic. I think X, Y, and Z candidates are a better fit. And then turns out it got dead. And then all of a sudden, Frank Beamer's not on the sideline for the game against Baylor on Saturday. Well, and that's the thing. The the crazy part to me is that South Carolina fired Will Muschamp early in order to get ahead of the coaching carousel, which they ended up starting by doing that. Right. In order to be competitive for candidates that probably would maybe take other jobs if presented the similar opportunities. Mm -hmm. And they did it all to hire... Shane Beamer? Who they probably like, could have gotten if... Anyway? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean... The thought process in Columbia and in the athletics department in South Carolina is just... it's. I'm not I'm not understanding the logic. Not saying that yeah. the logic is 100% flawed, because, you know, maybe in five years this turns out to be a successful hire, but I'm just in the moment not understanding the logic of hiring this coach at this particular time before the season is really even done. Yeah, and... This also goes back to, and I actually don't know where Shane Beamer fits into this situation, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I feel like there's a lot of times argument for understanding the culture of a place or the fit mm-hmm. or the history. And I I personally think that is largely overblown from most places. Um, and well, can, I, can I pause you for a second? And I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to bring up a counterpoint there where we talk about all the time how Dan Mullen understands the Gator standard. Dan Mullen coached here before he understands it and how when he was brought in, one of the things that we on this very podcast said was that he's going to understand how Florida works and the culture. So we can't, I just want to, I don't want us to be hypocrites because we can't say it works for our team and then for another team when they use that. I agree. You know? Well, my thing is that like, I've always just hated that as the reason for a hiring process because that's all true, mm-hmm. but another part of the reason Dan Mullen is successful is that because he's a good football yeah. coach. Like yeah. his stuff, it didn't. It, it's not. I think people try to hire people sometimes uh, candidates because they will work at that job, and I'm like, no, Dan Mullen works at Florida because he understands that, and 
this is where I was kind of going. If you're hiring on a fit based off the type of coach you want for that program, it's like Nick Saban isn't really a fit at every college program. I don't think Nick Saban at Kansas State does what he's doing at Alabama because Nick Saban is one where you get a whole he works best in a holistic. Everything's committed to football. I need all of these assets if you want because I need the best players and I will out recruit everyone if you let me do it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to out recruit people at Kansas State. So is Nick Saban really going to work in that kind of situation? Yeah, you're right. It, I think that, oh, was Nick Saban born in Kansas means he should go to Kansas State. I think that stuff's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. um, And this is all a part of a larger coaching conversation. But again, it's a large part of the reason that Dan Mullen is a good coach of Florida is that culture and everything. But also a large part of that is the fact that he's a good football coach and it's yeah. worked at other places. He instilled that at Mississippi State, a place that has never had that kind of culture. And mm-hmm. these are things where... It's also, if I can boil it down to one thing, it's like Dan Mullen it's probably brought a culture that fits what Florida wanted. Yeah. It's not one of those things where that's all he brought. That's Yeah, I think like, that's the best way to put it. That, and, and and this is also a testament. There's all of these little things, and every college football job is wildly different. And I, I that's why I say it's largely overblown. I'm not saying it's a stupid thing to think about mm-hmm. because you got to think about these things. Right. Um. And every and we say that yeah we say that as Florida fans where you kind of just need to be a good football coach and you're going to have the talent to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just it's one of those things that, and I don't know where Shane Beamer fits in this conversation, but if they fit if they did it just because he was born in Columbia and has South Carolina ties, I think that's largely overrated. Yeah, like, I, I, think, I think that's I not agree. a reason to hire somebody. A reason to hire somebody is that they're a good football coach. And, and and that's the thing where we don't know how good of a coach he is because we yeah. haven't seen it. Um, he's always been a, a, an analyst or an assistant or this. We haven't seen him kind of run a defense or run an offense. He is from Charleston, so he does have the local ties. And I think something that they mentioned was that when he was on staff with Spurrier, he was like a team favorite. Like, People loved Coach Coach Shane, Coach Beamer. They loved him. And so they said that, wow, we saw how he interacted with our players. At that point, he can do that with players here in the future. So I understand that, you know, because interaction with players is an important part of the job. Um, I think they – I don't think necessarily – Players love Will Muschamp too, though. It's true. And Will Will Muschamp couldn't get results. So Hire a good – football coach and we'll like, see we don't know we don't know shane Beam, shane beamer how he is so hopefully listen i i hope always that teams work out i don't ever want to wish ill will on a program unless it's see, here's the thing here's my benchmark for knowing that i never want to wish ill will on a program florida state is at its worst point that it has ever been and i'm at a point where i'm like i just want them to be better so our games are competitive you know what i mean that's how yeah. i know that i truly want every single program to have some level of because it's florida state Exactly. Yeah, I know. Like literally, my benchmark is there. Georgia's another planet, so we're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> it's we're not. But that's the no, thing. No, I no, hope no, he succeeds. Just... I, I'm a little iffy on the hire, but we'll see. And it's we'll, well. That's see. the thing. It's not even like I can point to anything that I was just like. I don't think this will work at South Carolina. I don't know what Shane Bringer even brings to the table. Yeah. And that could be a great thing, and that could be a bad thing. Like we're we're, we're just not going to know for a little while. So only time will tell, Tyler. Yeah. So let's let's move on to something that we can hold tangibly with our hands, Tyler, and that is an SEC East championship. Oh, there it is, division we title. Are going to Atlanta, Tyler. Florida thirty-one, Tennessee nineteen. Tyler, 
forget all of the negative energy that the multiple group chaps we were involved in had at the beginning of this game. Forget it. Throw it all out. Because we're going to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> and we're taking on Bama. Okay. <laughs> um, hey, again, I will reiterate the point that I've been saying for a while. Um, and I feel even the same way about in this game, for what happened in this game. Despite the fact that the gap between Florida and Alabama, I think, looks bigger to a lot of people now than it probably did at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think highly, I think higher of Florida's chances to compete and beat Alabama now than I did at any point in the season because I, I know for a fact that Kyle Trask is a special college quarterback. Yes. And when you have a player like that, you have a chance in any game you play. I will, I will see your Kyle Trask and I will add you a Kyle Pitts and a Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Because it's, it's not, it's not just Trask. And Trask Trayvon is, Grimes had two touchdowns and, and Justin Shorter, Justin Shorter can show up anytime. The yeah. one problem that we've seen over the past few weeks and was kind of obvious in this game, which is a reason why in, what, the first two drives, it was a field goal and a punt. Um, it's not something that mm-hmm. Florida fans have been really used to, but something that could happen. Um, it's our run game, and it's the lack of a run game. And kind of Mullins, he finally got to the point in the season where he said, all right, we're just going to kind of dedicate to the pass. Tyler, what did you think about Mullen really emphasizing the passing game and saying, you know what, at this point in the season, we're going to put all our eggs in the passing game basket. We have a Heisman, yeah. we have the Heisman front runner. We have arguably the biggest Mitch, biggest mismatch on the field. And we also have one of the fastest, twitchiest receivers in college football. How, what did you feel about the dedication to the pass and it, going away from the run? Yeah, I mean, because you can- I think you can spin it a couple ways because I was a fan of earlier in the season that the passing game was clearly the strength of the team, mm-hmm. but you had it. You had a running game that was working like enough. It was enough, and you mm-hmm. wanted to build on that. And it, so far, it's regressed. Yeah. Um, it's we're back to more of a point of last year. I will say, I, you know, I'm all for balance. I really do think that is important. Mullen obviously wants balance, but yeah. it is, it is, you know, pretty easy to see that um, taking the ball out of Kyle Trask's hands when you're on offense is a detriment to how many yards and points you score. Like yep. they they score more and move the ball better when Kyle Trask is throwing the ball. And Mullen's willingness to just do that mm-hmm. like is a testament to his coaching acumen in the sense that Mullen has always been and there's elements of this still in his offense, but like and I think it will go back to it in future years when he has more mobile quarterbacks, but he's always been a balanced 200 passing yards, 200 rushing yards, quarterback running, get involved in all aspects of the game, balanced attack because he likes that offensive line and the receivers. And this is these last two years with Kyle Trask, he's become, I wouldn't say air raid because it's a different passing scheme, but right. he's been very, very pass heavy because that's the strength of this team. And I commend Florida for working so hard on the running game, but I do think it's gotten to the point where they recognize, and I think this part of the thing with Tennessee, you saw you saw when when Florida wanted to score, they just dialed up drives with all pass plays. Took them like six plays, and they were they they scored. Yeah, like there's one touchdown drive that was literally a first down every single play, no play less than twelve yards. Um, it's six, six plays, and they scored. And I believe that was the specifically that was the fourth drive of the game where we went field goal, punt, missed field goal, rare missed field goal by Evan, and then the very next drive was when Mullen said, "All right, let's just turn the Jets on." We scored six plays, like you said. And 
yeah, I don't want to be too defensive of it. It's like I watching this game. And Tennessee scored two touchdowns late to make it seem way closer than it was. Yeah, um, yeah. But watching this game, I just, I, I was dumb confident that Florida was going to win this game because at no point did Tennessee do anything that was sustainable for four quarters. Correct. And so that's good for this game. Of course, this has been the entire time since we talked about Georgia beating Georgia. Everybody turned to Alabama. Yep. And I saw a conspiracy theory today that maybe the reason Florida hasn't played well the last three weeks is the fact that the coaches have been preparing for Alabama this entire time. Cause they could probably just win these games. Like, yeah. And I don't think that's actually what's happening. I don't think so. I, I, I do. I'm sure that a bunch of the graduate, well, I'm sure a bunch of the graduate assistants that earlier in the season were doing Georgia film and were doing breakdowns of the opponents they were playing. They're like, all right, you six, Bama. just go watch Alabama. Bama. Bama. Just go watch figure Alabama. Out, figure out how to stop Devontae Smith. Do that. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Florida's offense was basically just when they let Kyle Trask cook, mm-hmm. he's the best chef in America. Facts. Um, and I, I don't, I, it's one of the things in these games where they don't, he doesn't have to turn it on to win. Mm-hmm. I think they have been playing with the run game, but it is one of those things like, I don't see this offensive performance as indicative of there are going to be, of there going to be problem against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Dan Mullen and all those coaches know exactly what we're thinking. Like it's Alabama. We're going to have to drop 50 on them. Yeah. Well, so do you they, think they that, know... do you think Florida's going to toy around with a run game at that no. point? No, no. Mullen's going to throw that stuff out the window. Yeah, like... because Mullen is a good situation. He understands situations. Yeah, he is not a coach that only he he's not. So Mike Leach, the reason the air raid works with Mike Leach is the reason it works is because he's stubborn and only does it. And the reason it doesn't work is because he's stubborn and only does it. So it's a two edged sword there. Mullen is not like that. Mullen is able to read situations and he's able to determine what his team needs to do in those specific situations to get the victory. Because that's at the end of the day, all he cares about winning the football game. That's, that's goal. Number one, how you win the football game, how pretty it looks. That's an afterthought. And I think that's a good transition, Tyler, to talk about the defense, because I honestly think that this defense played one of the best games that it had in the entire season. There was one point where the true freshman, the only lead that Tennessee had, where their true freshman quarterback drove 94 yards on like 11 plays and just dissected the defense, but then he wasn't able to recreate that. What did you yeah. see out of the defense? Because I thought start start to finish, one of the best games that we had played, the, still yeah. found a lot of problems, especially in that secondary. What did you think? This was the best game we played. It was also against the worst offense we faced. Exactly. So I'm I'm gonna pump the brakes on giving the defense any praise because this is not even a candle to what they'll face in in two weeks. Mm-hmm. However, you do get a little bit of credit for doing exactly what you're supposed to do. They gave up one drive. Is that a? I, I we both know people that were incensed. Yes. Um. I sat there and watched it with other people, and was just like, "That's not sustainable." Like mm-hmm. that drive. What they just did, that's not sustainable over four quarters. You can't tell me that this team is going to outscore Florida. And that's the, the, the situation Florida finds themselves in. The defense has settled into the groove where they play well enough that all they got to do, all, all Florida's offense got to do is get a lead, and Florida's defense knows how to handle that. Yes. And there weren't any turnovers forced, which is also a lot of that is randomness. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to get all worked up about it. They held the starting offense to seven points. Mm-hmm. You're going to win most games you play when you hold the team's starting offense to seven points. Right. I don't care, you know, how good 
your offense, their defense, how bad they are, it doesn't matter. If you hold starting off to seven points, you're going to win most games that you play. Mm-hmm. So credit to them. They played, I think, a better game. But also, like I just said, this is probably offensively the worst opponent that they faced. Yeah. So I'm not going to give them a, a, a ton of credit. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna sing their praises. I will give them credit. For I, I was gonna say. Did. I think we should give them a bit of credit uh, because they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. But as you said, we're not gonna sing their praises. We're not gonna say, "Oh, I feel so much more comfortable about the defense going up against Bama in two weeks." Not at all. And to not be completely all. honest, I don't care about the garbage time touchdowns. I really Neither don't. Do I. Like, Neither do I. I mean, am I gonna ca- am I gonna care in two weeks if for some reason somehow Florida's up by? T- three scores to Bama and they give up one touchdown late when there's a minute left. Oh, but the score is closer. I won't care. But, right. but of course that's the standard that we're holding ourselves to. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's the understanding. I think that people also have to get about this team that is going to be hard. Um, that Florida fans, again, it's also the thing that it's been about five weeks since we beat Georgia and Florida fans have basically known if they don't massively implode, they're going to Atlanta. Right. This SEC's crown that we got in this game is kind of a formality. But exactly, um, we won the SEC East when we beat Georgia, essentially. Yes, and it's it's one of those things that like this team, everyone, Nick Saban's team is in year thirteen of a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen's team is in year three, and it is one of those situations where if you compare Dan Mullen's team in year three to Nick Saban's team, Alabama in year three. Those two teams can match up a lot, a lot more favorably. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that is um, Nick Saban's 2009 Alabama national t- title team. But I feel like those teams with where they are, are more, more. it's not as big of a gap as Alabama's had, what, like 10 straight number one recruiting classes, has the best receiver in the sport again, has <laughs> the best offensive line in the country, has the best one of the best running backs in the country, has a quarterback that, is relatively really accurate. Is a Heisman discussion. is a Heisman finalist. I believe their defense actually is is gotten back to playing very well. Mm-hmm. That's thirteen years have built up, and Dan Mullen's on. This is this is his third year. This is really this is a really good team. Yeah. Yes. You just got to, but you got to understand that you're only at a certain point in the build. Right, and I like, think I think it's important we not get ahead of ourselves because remember at the beginning of the season, and I think this is what we'll end this Gator discussion on. At the beginning of the season, Tyler, what did we say the goal of the year was? The singular number one thing of the year. What was it? Win the SEC East. Win the SEC East. How do you win the SEC East? You beat Georgia. You beat Georgia. What did we do this year? Beat Georgia. And we won the SEC SEC East. East. Exactly. So that's the thing where we we met our goals. And it's I love that Mullen in the press conference after the game said that was our goal. Our goal was to win the SEC East. Now we get to compete for an SEC championship. We get to put our foot down. We get to make a name for ourselves. If we win the SEC, we're almost guaranteed to be in the playoff. And then who knows what happens. So one thing at a time, one game at a time, focus on what you have. You remember Gator fans, we achieved our goal for the season. This season is a success regardless of what else happens. It is a success. We are on track. We are on the right path. We have the plan that Mullen has laid out from when he got here. Now's the time to now's the time to celebrate that right now. And of course, doesn't mean we're just gonna roll over against Bama. No. We're gonna put up a fight and we're gonna hope to go ahead and exceed those goals and continue them. So yeah. just I just think perspective is important because 
I think a lot of what's happening is, oh my God, the defense, the defense, this and that. And oh my God, but you know, we, oh my God, we didn't score two touchdowns on two drives. What are we going to do? Like, it's not 28 to nothing in the second quarter. Yeah, we've had two drives. It's impossible. You know, we're getting too, too caught up in that. And we're, we're not realizing that our actual goal at the seat at the beginning of the season was to make it to Atlanta. And we achieved that goal. Yeah. So more than anything, I think that my, my biggest thing with, I think people cautioning this, the way that I look at the team is that you got to look at what this Florida team is as a whole. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at, oh, we're, we're offense isn't as good now. It's like, no, it's like, you look at this team and this team is a range of their highs and their lows. This is their low. And their low is not good enough to beat Alabama. But their high, I think, is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and, and, that, and I th- I think it is. And we've seen the high. So do I still believe that they can turn that high back on? I do. And I do as well. You you got you to gotta understand holistically, just like you have to look at a game when you watch it. You have to be like, is what Tennessee just did sustainable for four quarters? And, and the one good drive they had, and it wasn't. Is what Florida moving the ball sustainable for four quarters and we know that it is so you got you got to judge your things based off that so exactly we'll move on exactly. from this conversation we'll move but. on i just want to say this is not an sec east championship this is not an sec east title that we kind of the last two were under McElwain where it was like yeah we won the division time to go be a sacrificial lamb for alabama yeah. it's not the case we're going to be competitive this year it's going to be a good game tyler let's move forward let's jump into rapid reactions we start with a game tyler that was not of that was not known to us at the time. Didn't of our exist previous, at the time. <laughs> it did not exist, Tyler. It is the matchup that we have been begging for at the non-power five level. It was Coastal Carolina and BYU in uh where are they exactly? Is it Myrtle Beach? Myrtle right, Beach. Right in Myrtle, Myrtle Beach, Beach, South Carolina. Uh Coastal Carolina twenty-two, BYU seventeen. This was the Mormons versus the Mullets. It was an energetic game. It was a physical game. And yeah. it was arguably one of the more exciting games of the season. It was up there. This it is was a pretty good game. It was up there. Um, I, I Hats off to both of these teams for um, playing short notice. Oh, yeah. And I'm playing a good, entertaining football game that came down to the last minute. Zach Wilson... So I was working a the Christmas parade in Panama City um, for my part part of my work. Why there was a Christmas parade in this? I, I, that's another conversation. But you were but, up um, in the. I was in the, the tower. Booth. There I was you in go. The tower. Safe away from the corona. Safe. We love to see it. Um, and I get to watch the end of this game live. And when I asked Sergio about it, he said that Zach Wilson managed the final drive like an NFL pro. Like I said NFL a thir- I said a three year vet. Yeah. I went back and watched it. That's how I would have described it too. It was incredible. <laughs> it was fantastic. However, it, that was this was some Titans Rams stuff, that right? Literally, here. what like, came to my brain. I love that we were in sync. BYU on the last play got to the one. Yep, but they didn't get in the end zone. The Chanticleers. That, that just makes it amazing. Credit to Coast Carolina on defense because they locked by uh, Zach. They locked Zach Wilson down a little bit. Um, yeah, and I will say. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the de- the guy that all the group of five people haters hate right now. Oh just for my a little God. bit. Raul's gonna hate no, no, this. No, 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 no. Raul is. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh huh. I just I, like this game was amazing. I wish we would get more of this. I wish we could like schedule the best teams um, into this. Those were not two playoff caliber teams on that <laughs> field right there. <laughs> no, Ty. And here's the thing, Tyler. I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone's gonna disagree with you on that one. 
Um, and not, I, not even I just, the fiercest group of five defenders yeah. I would disagree with. The, the, now, the, Cincinnati's no, no. another conversation. That's Cincinnati is another conversation. C- Cincinnati would have wiped the floor with both of these teams. I am convinced. Let's be real. Um, it is also nice to kind of just know with the whole BYU thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they should still be proud that they, they, they played this game. I am so proud that they actually went out and played this game. They gave us this amazing um, experience for us to watch, entertaining one. And gave Coastal Carolina all they could, all they could handle on, you know, a short week. They this and, game was confirmed on Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, and the game yeah. was played on a Saturday. So I'm sure they knew about it Wednesday, but it was confirmed, confirmed uh, Thursday. So that's in, that's yeah. insane. But um, it is it just personally for my own lack wanting not future headaches mm-hmm. when I go into Twitter. It is a little nice to me that we know now BYU. Well, just BYU has a loss column, so I don't have to entertain the whole what if. Yes. Um, yes. We don't do what ifs. Which I would have, but it would have been fun to have a discourse, but it ultimately would have given me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think what I took most from this game, apart from a fantastic football game, and I hope Coastal on Tuesday's rankings are close. They better jump. They better, close, jump. They, they better jump. They better be in the 12 to 14 range. They yeah. were at 19. They better be the And I don't want BYU falling out because this was a good game. I wouldn't be mad if they just switched spots because it no, was 19, 13. That would work for me. Listen, for me, it was – I loved the Coastal Carolina uh, wearing all black. We're going to be the baddest mother effers around here. We are going to hit Zach Wilson late. Did you end up seeing it at the end of the first half? I did. I did. What did you think? Because for me, the first one, it was fine. You know, you're blocking, you put him to the ground. That's fine. It was the second, it was the second and the third throwing of Zach Wilson that I was like, okay, my guy, like, do you really? Well, it's hard to also, one thing that I have struggled is that when you watch the replay, it's hard to tell at what point the play itself is actually over. Yeah. So I I will say that, I mean, BYU's bench wasn't having it. And that's really what I, I like to see. Protect the quarterback. Um, protect the quarterback. I, I, I mean, as I, I said, as I said in some of our in one of our group chats, if that happened to Trask, you guys would be up in arms. I, absolutely. Yep. Um, and I, but I will say, I know this that like you get when you're a defensive player, you get coached that if there's a turnover, oh yeah, you look for the quarterback because it is the only time you can hit him. Well, and, and, and but he's that's not, the thing. He's not, he's, there's not a halo of protection. Right. But, but that's why I feel like the first one was okay. The drive, put him to the ground, fine by me. That's just football, baby. But the second yeah. and third times, when he's he thinks the play's over, he's like looking for the coast. He's like trying to lean on the coastal player's shoulders to stand up to go to the sideline, and they're just plummeling him without him even. Yeah, he's defenseless at that point. You know what I mean? So it's a little, it's a little much. This is a violent sport that that we play and mm-hmm. we watch. But uh, there's a, there's a room for a little bit of, yeah. I mean, the first one obviously is fine, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I could see that argument, and I wouldn't disagree with it. So, last thing on this game. This is taking a lot longer on Rapid Reaction, because this should have been a five-wide game if we knew about it. That's why I was talking about it this long. That's why it's first as well. Um, If you come up to me, and you tell me, the collective you, not you, Tyler, I know what you believe, uh, that Zach Wilson is not QB3, I need you to... Drop a pin so we could have a physical conversation about it. Because at this point, I don't know what else Zach Wilson has to do to not be the best quarterback available outside of the clear best best two prospects in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Like, I don't understand what he has to do. I have become the Zach Wilson defender in three group chats, Tyler. Three. <laughs> 
three different group chats. One of the things, you know, in our group chat, you know I'm on your side. It's just a fact that, like, I just never say anything. I'm just vocal about it because I'm just... I shut up because I know I'm not going to convince these these people. (laughs) Tyler, I send you weekly... You personally, I send you random weekly Zach Wilson highlights. And it's my weekly... Like, just out of the blue because... Those balls... I, I can't tell who throws a prettier at their best. Who throws a prettier ball, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, or Justin Fields? Because the like, it's I tough. Don't know. It's, it's tough, tough, man. It's tough. Like Zach Wilson, in he can just flick it. Drive, he had Zach Wilson in that final drive was everything you want. Yes. Um, Zach like Wilson in that final drive was what how we control our quarterbacks in NCAA fourteen. Absolutely. That's how There's, it was. No one could ever dispute that. Nope. Um, but. <laughs> I will say, like, well, I'm having, I'm out here having conversations on Jaguars Twitter about what quarterback um, to mm-hmm. take because reasons that I will get into later on this podcast. <laughs> um, and a lot of people actually are coming around to Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, which I am not there on I'm, that at all. Listen, I am, I am Zach Wilson defender number one. I need to see him in the Heisman finalist as a Heisman finalist. If he's a Heisman Represent. finalist, my season will be happy. The Gators won the East. I'm convinced Trash is going to win the Heisman. And and Wilson is a finalist. That's everything I could ask for in this season. But he yeah. is not better than Justin Fields. I, yeah, agree, agreed. 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 All right. So but, uh, to me, there's a clear QB one, two, three. I agree. Clear one, two, three in that order. Um, man. But dude, just the this is the last drive. Even that last ball that ended up at the one. That he last split throw th- he was split amazing. Three. He he stepped up in the pocket, made checked down to a secondary read found the guy, put the ball between three defenders, and it just wasn't enough because Coastal was playing prevent and they were in the red zone, and so there were like four other guys there to stop him. And that credit to Coastal, I think they had the, the right decision in that last drive. It's just like, we'll give you every yard you want except for the one that you need. And, like, and you know what? I agree. I agree. And that was a point of contention in one of my group chats from my Connecticut friends where it, the, the phrase was literally, wow, Sergio, um, Zach Wilson got exposed today, huh? And I was like, I don't know how to read this text and – just I, I can't take the opinion of someone seriously that watches these that are people last that drive. think ian book should be in the heisman conversation because he has the qb win stat <laughs> that's who you're arguing with <laughs> oh man and we don't argue with those people tyler we don't qb wins is not a real stat <laughs> not a real stat it's just wins just a team stat just football wins um all right let's push through let's go through these rapid reactions pretty quickly um there was a massacre in baton rouge tyler and lsu was at the hands of it <sighs> Alabama 55, LSU 17. Um, I say this. This is going to be tough for me to say. As much as I I think Kyle Pitts is the biggest mismatch in college football, I think Devontae Smith is the best player in college football. It's it's hard to argue with that. It's like... You're saying this to me. Devontae Smith, champion, who is the best player on my college fantasy football team last season, and I literally shed a tear when Yahoo announced they weren't doing college fantasy football this year. Why? Simply because I couldn't draft Devontae Smith. And you know that you won't be able to again. Well, you will in the NFL. Oh, he's gone. Well, He he literally is gone. I am... am, You know how you were with Clyde Edwards Slayer last year? Yes. Yes. I, I... I'm getting Devontae Smith. I have the assets. <laughs> For the sake of the pod, Tyler, I will I will recuse myself from acquiring him because you recuse you recused yourself of acquiring first, my Clyde first Edwards pick Blair. will be <laughs> Devontae Smith. Um, no, I, I, Alabama's just it's 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 a juggernaut, and it's I will say it's one of those things where like I'm realizing now how many people LSU pissed off in their title run last year. Oh because, my god! Wait, wait, pause, uh, pause. The things we're gonna do to them next week. <laughs> yeah. 
What's the thing? Also, you got to remember with the Florida-Tennessee game real quick is that I hate Tennessee and all most Florida fans hate Tennessee. The Florida players, they haven't lost to Tennessee in a little while. Like, yeah, one, Tennessee's won one game in the last 16 years. And so it, it, that's got to be a factor. But the Florida players hate LSU. But yeah. the Alabama player, like, oh, I would still say it's worth it because LSU has a ring. Um, Yes. Yes, I you just, will always have that national championship and Heisman season. I agree, but they I can think, never take it away from you. But but I think what Bama is Matt is what really got under their skin, what really got under Saban's skin, the player skin, wasn't that they dominated them. It was the fact that they were so arrogant well, about. They were so quick. They to acted say, like it was a change of the guard. They did instead and it of most, a good win. It most definitely was not a change of the guard. That's the thing where Coach O is on the Alabama A in the middle of the field at Brian Denny saying, "We're not losing to these guys again." There's been a shift. Like slow down. That's what I think yeah. they got mad about. And it was funny because as the game went on, I wish that there was like no pumped in crowd noise i wish we could have just heard what the players were saying because you know just from looking at them these players were talking all the smack and when they were up bama i guarantee you bama was like no coach we could put 60 on them no we could put 70 i guarantee you that's what they wanted to do alabama could have scored on every play i hate to be as simple as this but it is alabama's offense is quite literally just run the touchdown play yeah um like get the ball to Devontae smith just run the touchdown play um it's, it's like how all the times that I joke with my friends that don't know football level, and they're always just like, they score, somebody scores a touchdown, it's like, okay, just that, do that again. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. But we, that is think? actually in Alabama's entire offense. And it's not ever simple as that because Alabama is the one team in the country that is uniquely situated to be able to run this type of offense. Like, yeah. they have the best everything. Yeah, except for quarterbacks. Except for quarterback. Okay, yeah, except for quarterback. But... Mac Jones, the thing is, Mac Jones has a good, is accurate enough and has a good enough arm for the deep ball mm-hmm. that they, and they have the receivers, they can just go deep on every single play. Yeah. And they really want to. I don't know. It's just, it, Alabama's incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll see LSU, them in two weeks. We'll see them in two weeks. We'll see LSU next week. We'll see, see them in two weeks. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's, it, let's go through because it's the SpongeBob. Stop, stop. They're already dead. I don't want to talk about yeah. LSU anymore. Um, sorry to my cousin Vinny, big LSU fan, but even he's, even he'll say it. He's like, Hey, look, the title was worth it. So <laughs> I would, I still yep. argue it was totally worth it. Yep. The title Cause you'll forget it. about this season, but you won't, you'll always have that one. Always. Like, always. All right. Next game up Clemson 45, Virginia tech 10. This game was a little bit close heading into the third quarter. And then it seemed like Dabo was like, you know what? Let's, let's start nah. playing guys. Let's, you guys want to play? All right, let's start playing. Let's go. So I, I Remember last season when there okay I can there's specifically a moment the Clemson South Carolina game last season was the game where I declared that I uh, I wanted to marry every Trevor Lawrence pass yes and, I do remember uh, that. then every sequential pass after that I yes. would be ready to risk it all and cheat on the one that I had married yes, previously yes I remember I do remember um, he had a pass that was better than all of those today uh, uh, in this game are you officially second are you officially filing for divorce oh yeah 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 no, <laughs> no question no question. Um, no, uh, uh, I think no. I think I think me and the Trevor Lawrence pass is just a polycule at this point. Like, so, <laughs> so so you're um, so you're enrolling at BYU is what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing grad school at BYU. There it is. <laughs> um, no, there was a, there was a pass on second and twenty six where I I can't explain to you 
how perfect this pass you was. You don't have to because I saw the pass and I can confirm it was that beautiful. <laughs> I, there's literally not a single like Cordo Pala didn't have to do anything. It was just there. <laughs> um, oh my god. Which by the way, Cordo Pala is great. Um Clemson's great. Virginia Tech's job is gonna be coming open soon. Um Yes it is. But yes, Clemson it is. locked up a spot in the ACC title game. They're gonna be playing uh Notre Dame. It's going to be nice. You know what's interesting? I looked up the times because in this house, there are two teams that uh, are playing in the in their respective conference championship games with Oklahoma. I don't see it on the rundown here, so I'll just say it now. Oklahoma beating Baylor and clinching their spot in the Big 12 title game to play no, your, that, yeah. your Iowa State Cyclones, your Brock right. Brady in Brocktober. First um, time regular season conference championship in 118 years. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. Um, they won the game 42 to six. Let's just talk about that game now, Tyler. We yeah. talk about the big 12, uh, Iowa state 42, West Virginia six wore the all blacks in Ames. They are. I, I did check this. They are undefeated in the all blacks. And dude, they better, they better wear them in two weeks. <laughs> Listen, uh, I hope not for, for my brother's sake over here. Um, I was looking up the times and the big 12 title game is at noon. Typically the sec title game is at three 30. It's been moved to eight o'clock and the ACC, which is usually an eight o'clock kick is a four o'clock kickoff. So we're getting this. I'm actually weird, okay with this. Yeah. We're getting this different kind of s- spotlight going on there, which I'm fine with, but yep. We're going to see Clemson and Notre Dame in that four. I mean, everything else is different this year. So yeah, might as well. Right. Um, we talked about for Iowa state 42, West Virginia six Brock Purdy is the man. Brocktober lives on. Oh, by the way, real quick, just real quick story. Go. Um, I was texting one of my, one of my friends, Mackenzie, one of my coworkers is a Bama fan about, um quarterback situation for the Jacksonville Jaguars and how it won't be Trevor Lawrence and I was, and I was just like obviously it's Justin Fields she's just like mm-hmm. oh I don't know if Justin Fields would be good outside the Ohio, Ohio State system and I was just like at the table that argument for another day um but <laughs> I don't have time and, for this and, and, then, and, then she, and, I, and then she's just like I like that kid from Iowa State he's pretty good and under the radar I'm like you did not just come to me <laughs> of all people it's just like my college fantasy football team name last year was here to Brock Purdy. <laughs> and I think the year before it was party like a Brock star. <laughs> yes. Like it's, I was just like the audacity, you know, what, to come at my you know, boy. Like you know this. what it is? You know what that is, Tyler? It's that Brocktober is infectious. All right. It's it, infectious. It is. It is. It is. Uh, speaking of that Ohio state quarterback that your friend doesn't think will work outside the system, Ohio state 52, Michigan state 12. Um, Michigan, uh, Ohio State's good, and Michigan State's not, so that's how you get that uh, score. Ohio State won this game the way they needed to win it. Yeah. They yeah. needed to look good, and they, they did. did. They did, because there's been a lot of questions. This is only their fifth game of the year. There were a lot of questions on if, you know, maybe there was going to be a problem, that they wouldn't play enough games, would they deserve to be in the playoff if they didn't even make it to the championship game because of COVID technicalities. They needed this for the committee. Whether you believe that they should or shouldn't, and I will tell you, I'm in the camp that unless you, I'm, I'm very much a you have to win your conference to make the playoff person. Yeah. But I understand that's not the reality we live in yet. I hope we get that when they expand to eight. Yeah. But and also, uh, this is a weird year for for that argument too. Oh yeah. Like, no, I get what it. is winning your conference in this? Season? I get it. Like, I get it. I get it. So they needed that win just like that. <laughs> uh, Tyler, Indiana, fourteen, Wisconsin, six. Talk about stepping it up. Well done, Indiana. Michael Penix Jr. goes out for the entire season. The backup comes in. They win 14-6. to Good for them. Good for that. Good for Indiana. And it, it's definitely a testament to – Jack Chittle played well, but it's mm-hmm. like 
it's definitely a testament to Indiana's was based their entire um, offense was based around the strength of their passing game. Right. And it made it very clear that while Michael Penix Jr. is a good player, the majority of that strength of the passing game comes to the wide receivers. Yes. Because they got a good wide receiver core and they stayed good yeah. in this game. They did. Like, just like as long as you can get a quarterback that can throw that ball deep and can maximize the vertical threats that they have on the outsides, they're going to be successful. And that proved it yeah. this year. I'm really excited to see Indiana in a big bowl game. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that they make like the – you know what's going to suck? I hope they don't make the Outback Bowl because the Big Ten team is the coconut shrimp team. And I gotta go for mm-hmm. the Bloomin' Onion SEC team. Yeah, no, we got we we stand Bloomin' Onion. In we this we do. We stand we stand Bloomin' Onion. But I'm hoping they make like the like the Citrus Bowl. That'd be fun and good for them. I would love for them to get the road like that. So. TCU 29, Oklahoma State 22. Look at them Horn Frogs saving their <laughs> saving their coach's job. <laughs> There's been some talk around the Big 12 that oh you know, there have been some talk. Peterson may not make it as uh, as long as as he should. So. Max Duggan is such a frustrating player to watch. <laughs> is what my take about this game. He uh, can do it on the ground. He he makes some insane passes, and then there's every other play. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's got some Bo Nicks in him. I'll tell, I'll give him that. That's a good way to put it. He's got some Bo Nicks in him. He's, he's Big Twelve he, Bo Nicks. He's a better deep ball Bo Nicks. <laughs> Big Twelve better deep ball Bo Nicks. I like to see that. Yeah. Uh, with that loss, like we said, Oklahoma and Iowa State confirmed to be in the Big Twelve championship. So Which, if we're keeping track, keeping track, three major conferences have their championship game set. Big 12 is Oklahoma and I, I'm sorry, Iowa State and Oklahoma. We'll go one, two yeah. on this podcast. I, my apologies. Just some respect to, to the Brockosauruses over there. Then in the ACC, you have Notre Dame and Clemson. And in the SEC, you have Alabama and Florida. Um, Tyler, you were going to say something and I interrupted you. I apologize. One of these days, we need to have a conversation about how Mike Gundy is kind of capped out at Oklahoma State. Yeah, I don't think right now is the time for that conversation, but I agree with you. I think we should have that conversation. It's just, this was supposed to be, and, and this has happened multiple times in the mm-hmm. last like seven years to me. Mm-hmm. That it's like this is the team. Is it you so? Know? So is it Mike? Gun- I guess we're having the conversation now. Is it Mike Gundy maxing out at o- Oklahoma State, or is did Mike Gundy get Oklahoma State as high as they could get? Uh, it's an interesting argument. See, that's the interesting part of the argument that I think will have to be discuss that at a later point yeah because he has definitely elevated what that program is but it's the it's the argument that we won't know is like is are they this good are they just this good now and now do you need to put a new coach in to build on what mike gundy is Mm -hmm. or as soon as mike gundy leaves is this all gonna go away because that's dangerous Um, because nebraska was playing that game where nebraska played played that game and they lost and they lost that game yeah so yeah all right uh texas 69 kansas state 31 nice nice um tom herman you you you've you didn't save your job because he will get fired um will like he? i said when, okay no 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 like i said when he lost to iowa state mm-hmm. that okay that okay, okay maybe not this the, the year. iowa state loss cost tom herman his job it may not cost him his job this year but it will it, it will ultimately have set him on the path to have cost like that was the game where i was like he won't make it out of this mm-hmm. like right that was the nail on the coffin it's just a matter of yeah. when they take the coffin out yeah mm-hmm. yeah listen um i have a friend big texas fan and over the past couple of weeks he's been sending me urban meyer flight track information 
He's been sending me Urban Meyer. Look, he's in Texas. He did a shoot for Fox Sports, and the hotel that he's in is actually in Austin. He's talking to the brass. He sent me the curtains and matched them up. With okay. Stuff. He did, oh, whoa. He, he went 3D chess on it. He definitely hoodie, oh, He definitely was hoodies up, third eye open. It <laughs> was a wild one. This man on the podcast. So, <laughs> so he sent me a tweet. He sent me a tweet, Tyler, today, a few hours before we started recording. Breaking by Chip Brown from Chip Brown 247, so the 247 sports guy. Texas's flirtation with three-time national championship coach Urban Meyer appears to have come to an end, a university source told Horns 247. They're saying that they were trying to get Urban to Texas and that Urban said that he doesn't want to take the job because he doesn't want to coach again due to his health reasons, which is what he cited multiple times, um, and that the source said, quote, there was an opportunity here too good not to pursue Urban Meyer. If if he's a definite no, we just need to step back and assess. It then goes on to talk about um, the Tom Herman buyout, which is $25 million, um, and the contract and all that stuff, and list other options like Steve Sarkeesian. They're talking about Mario, Mario Cristobal, James Franklin. Matt Campbell is on that list, um, according to the, to the source. So they're definitely fit – going after big fishes um tyler do you think it's more likely that that happens at the end of this season or they try maybe to go after urban again next year if things don't go well and and all that kind of stuff part of me has started to lean into the fact that if you don't think you have urban meyer locked up that you just wait another season Mm -hmm. which i think is what that source was implying well it's it's like if urban meyer wants the job you fire tom herman tomorrow you fire him yesterday you, yeah, you, 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 you give him the Lane Kiffin on the tarback. You treatment. rewrite the history books that Tom Herman was never here. You just took football off for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> well, wait, so what happens to Sam Ellinger? <laughs> Sam Ellinger coached and played for the team. <laughs> Texas's identity for the last four years has just been Sam Ellinger anyway. So, Very true. Sam Ellinger um, and Dicker the kicker. That's all it's been for four years. I, I mean, you you didn't even mention the biggest Urban Meyer conspiracy theory, which that his wife was apparently seen looking at properties in Austin, oh, Texas. Oh, yeah, because he sent me that as well. I just didn't want to bring up all of what he mentioned. That seems me. like the most logical one to follow. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I just thought for, for, for content's sake, the fact that he was sending me message boards about oh, people, no, no. Oh, people yeah. comparing curtains from a, a hotel room to a... No, that's yeah. that's way more Charlie Day and oh. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But, Facts. Yes. Um, that's a very third eye open, hoodies on, hoodies up, uh, sideline yeah. judgment thing. Well, it's just like, there isn't really a home... I think Matt Campbell's a home run candidate, mm-hmm. but there isn't the consensus home run candidate this year. Right. So if you don't really think you got the guy you really want, I think you won't crater with Tom. Well, actually, I don't know because Sam Ellinger won't be there. Um, mm-hmm. But you could, you could wait a year for, to fire Tom. Herman. Okay, I'm glad we're on the you same page. It. That's what I wanted to know. I'm glad we're on the same page. I mean, if you know you got to admire, you take that. But otherwise, I don't know. Yeah. All righty, uh, Tyler. In the last game here, Miami 48, Duke zero. Uh, welcome back, Miami. First time they played in like three weeks. Yeah. So. Welcome back. I mean, great performance, and I kind of feel bad that this will just get forgotten. I know. (laughs) It sucks, man. I think Miami's going to end up, uh, depending on how this week's game against North Carolina goes, I think Miami's going to just all but assure an Orange Bowl trip because of that ACC tie-in, because they are going to be a top 10 college football playoff ranked team. They're going to get that 
It's just a matter of who they end up playing in the Orange Bowl. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Tyler. Let's go through these five wide games. We have eliminated Liberty and Coastal because Liberty had COVID outbreaks. That's why Coastal ended up playing BYU. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. I did not get a single point this week. Ooh. Ooh. I did not. Goose egg. What's that like? It sucks. What's that like? It sucks. All right? Be shut out. Yeah. I got shut out. Yeah, I mean, like, I only scored two points, so I'm not exactly waving a great flag. No. But, hey, they don't – Florida won the SEC East one year with a 9-7 win over Vanderbilt. I ain't complaining. <laughs> I ain't complaining. I get you. Uh, Tyler, win's a win. A win is a win. And let's start with the first game we had. It was a Friday night kick. Louisiana Speaking of on, a win is a win. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Louisiana took on App State. They ended up winning 24-21 to on the road. Their first win over App State in series history. That's pretty big. Um, Tyler, can we just fast forward and talk about the end of this football game? I don't want to talk about anything else but the end of this football game. Okay, but I think in order to do that, we have to set up the fact that Louisiana's long snapper, whose name I do not know, um, and honestly, probably better that way. I don't think I should be knowing a long snapper's name. Uh, If there's ever a week to learn a long snapper's name, it was this one. Because my man, my brethren... My fellow long snapper, I am. I feel I consider myself a part of the long snapper fraternity because when I played pee wee football in the seventh grade, I too was a long snapper. Oh, and right so now. and so uh, the man oversnapped the ball not once, Tyler, not twice, but three times in this football game, resulting in a total of nine points for oh, App State, a touchdown. And then a safety that was taken. So, Tyler, with that being said, let's fast forward to the end of this football game where Louisiana is about to punt the football. And they say nah. <laughs> they say nah. <laughs> what happened, Tyler? Well, so Louisiana, is, it's at a fourth and two around midfield. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of options here. I, I do agree with the whole thing of you just you can't trust your long snapper in this position. I get it. However, what... Louisiana decided to do was, however, take the snap and Levi Lewis just take all the time in the world running to the back of the end zone and then just stepping out, intentionally taking a safety, which brought it from a five-point game to a three-point game. More importantly, which is very... goes from... And then you had to punch the ball back to App State. Exactly. It goes from App State needing a touchdown to just survive, right? Needing a touchdown to shortening the field by 25, 30 yards. Because if they kick a field goal, they can go to overtime. So there's not yeah. – you essentially gave them 30, 35 yards uh, – 25, 30 yards in that situation. I will say that – so when you when we were watching this game at the mm-hmm. same time, you texted me about this. Yes. And we were trying I think, to we – I think my exact words were, what the hell is Louisiana doing? <laughs> so this is like transparently here. I did the thing that I sometimes do where I, I did the mental gymnastics. I was thinking of every possible way to try and explain the reasoning that Louisiana would have to do this and why it might be a smart move. You were I came d- up empty. There's nothing. You were just like, trying to defend <laughs> Billy Napier. You were trying oh, to absolutely. defend your boy. No, I do this. I do this. And like, it worked. Okay. <laughs> it worked out by just dumb luck because yes. App State drove down to kick a field goal and decided to send overtime and they missed. Oh, um, <laughs> So, yeah. Billy Napier, you got lucky. Yes, correct. Um, however, I'm also kind of the, the opinion where I was just like, you're at the 40. It's two yards. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm always of the of the kind of like I'm of the belief that it doesn't really matter where it is on the field if it's fourth and one you go for it. Agreed. Because you have to believe you have to believe that you can get one yard. Agreed. Um, as just as a football coach, as a football player, you have to believe that you can when it comes down to it get one yard. Mm-hmm. And two yards isn't that much different. Like so, I kind of I kind of would have just gone for it. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm with you on that. I think at that point you go for and, it. And, and at that point, they hadn't taken the safety, so they were still down five. So you would they absolutely would have needed a touchdown, not a field goal, exactly to do anything. Exactly. So, so I think at that point you just go for it. I mean, I don't know what the the card said. Billy Napier, I guess he just really didn't want the South Carolina job because he he essentially at that point was like, let me do everything possible to just avoid that job. <laughs> let let me smart. let me try to win in the most insane way possible. So it is what it is. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, it was a good game. Louisiana, congratulations on your first win over App State. Tyler gets the point because, as stated, I did not pick get any points this week. Next up, you have Texas A&M and Auburn. A&M won 31-20. Again, a weird game. A yeah. weird football game. A&M takes an early lead. Bo Nix does some good Bo Nix stuff and ends up tying the game up. And then Bo Nix does some bad Bo Nix stuff. And ends up giving up the lead. All the while, um, there's a crazy touchdown at the end of the game for AM to go ahead, where it was supposed to be an interception by Kellen Mond. The ball slips through the Auburn defender's hands and just ends up in the AM player's hands in the end zone. Just a crazy game, Tyler. That really a fun game to watch, I will say. Yeah, an enter- entertaining game to watch, but just so weird. So yeah. so weird. And like you said, this rivalry, if we can call it that, this this matchup that has been traditionally played on rivalry week because it or before rivalry week because or no on rivalry week because no no uh, uh a&m plays lsu on rivalry week and Auburn plays alabama that's so. what it is so the week before typically is the what the uh, it's played. somewhere around there somewhere around they, there. it's just weird about this rivalry because typically the road team wins and that's just a weird thing yeah like, exactly and and so the road team wins in this one uh a&m essentially assures their place as the number five team in the country in the college football playoff rankings um yeah, it was one of those just grinded out wins. I really don't have much to Ke- say about it. It was exciting. I mean, Kellen, but- Ma- Kellen Mond did what he always does, where he plays well enough to win. Yes. And whatever that requires, and it, it was mostly just running the ball and making the right passes today. And, like, the, I will say A&M has been relatively consistent this year in that they play to the level of their competition. Correct. Um, And a lot of times the set is a bad thing, and it is mostly a negative, but it can also be a good thing. Like, they don't... They don't play worse than their competition ever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and good for them to win this game. Auburn, you didn't get blown out, so that's good for you, Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think we have to always remember, sometimes there's a lot of hate that gets spewed at Bo Nix. And, I mean, he is, like, he's not that great, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. But it's one of those things where I think people look at uh, anytime Auburn is bad, it's somehow it's like Bo Nix's fault more than it is Gus Malzahn's fault. Yeah, and I'm still of the opinion that, especially with the Bo Nix touchdown run, that made no sense. Um, <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where, like, I still think Bo Nix has a lot of talent. It's just that I don't think he's getting any quarterback coaching. <laughs> yeah, he's not developing. He he is the same player he was last year, and that's not his fault. It's the fact that yeah. he his coach is Gus Malzahn, and that's not something that Malzahn does. Yeah. So, alrighty. So. Let's move forward. Uh, again, Liberty Coastal was canceled. So Tyler gets the point on that AM game. Stanford 31, Washington 26. Tyler, what happened here? Because allegedly, I should... allegedly, I put my faith in your Washington Huskies. Allegedly. 
I should just shut up when, when I talk about the Pac-12. I really should. Like, um, this game was, it started off really Stanford dominated and Washington clawed back. And basically the entire fourth quarter was can Washington take the lead. Yeah. Um, and I, I said last week that Washington was going to out Stanford. Stanford, they were to show Stanford what they wanted to be. And then Stanford said, no, we invented this game. And you know um, what? Credit to Stanford for being displaced yeah. due to the coronavirus. This was supposed to be their home game. They have to end up playing all their games on the road now. And on top of that, they were practicing in a park in Seattle. That's where they held And they it. won. And they won the football game. Credit to them. So 31-26. Good I, I, on him. Good on okay. Deja. Jimmy Lake's team. You'll get him next year. Yeah. Fine by us. You'll get him next year. Fine by us. Uh, Tyler, uh, last game on five wide. Oregon 17, Cal 21. What happened here, dude? What happened here? This was the – and this was I, – I again, I I worried about this in the, last week when we talked about this game where I was mm-hmm. just like, Cal's 0-3, but they're not 0-3 bad. So, like, is this the game where it's just like the universe course corrects even though it just doesn't make sense? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And we thought um, that wasn't going to happen. I thought that wasn't going to because I thought that was supposed to be the Stanford game where they played well enough to win and they just didn't because they missed a PAT. Yeah. Um. That was this game. And, I mean, Justin Wilcox is a good coach. Chase Garbers is a good quarterback. And, again, it's one of those things where, like, I think everyone preseason with Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oregon, I don't think anyone really thought this was the year that Oregon was going was gonna to do what they did last year, have, like, a Justin Herbert type of team. Yeah. It was just that. If there was a team in the Pac-12, it, it was going to be Oregon that did that. But that would be early for them. Correct. And then it, they looked like that for a little bit. They lost a close rivalry game. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of look back and it's like, oh, no, this is still like, this would probably still be an 8-4, and 9-3 kind of Oregon team. Mm-hmm. Like, they will lose some of their games. And yeah. this was one of those things. The offense wasn't clicking as much as it could. And I just, the, the defense, Oregon's defense didn't give up a lot of points, but they gave up the wrong points. Exactly. Um, exactly. So. And credit to Cal, like you said, for doing that course correct, understanding that. They're, they're a good team as they're well. They're a good it's team. Just, yeah. It's hard. It's hard when you have a six-game schedule to accurately frame yeah. it in the way that we usually frame it in twelve-game schedules. It's like exactly trying to project this out. Cal's zero and three, but they in reality they'd probably be like five and three right now because they would have like three or like out of conference wins, mm-hmm. uh, maybe another conference game that they would have won by this point. Yeah. So yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's yeah, agreed, Tyler. So that's again, neither of us get the points on those two Pac-12 games two points i picked arizona state to beat ucla and i was wrong and i was frustrated because this was a good game i uh i had a little dozing off at this football game i was watching this game in bed Uh, i saw arizona state take the lead i then saw arizona state miss the two-point conversion and then get bailed out by uh a penalty then make the two-point conversion and then there was a holding call, so they had to bring it back and then miss the two-point conversion again. So they would have had 21 points there, but they ended up not. Uh, I think we need to have a serious conversation, maybe not now, but maybe later. But just in brief, UCLA's looked relative has looked like they've taken a step forward this year. They, they, they're not the dumpster fire they were previously. They are not. They are not. And I do think here, big brain here. Oh, boy. I think the the coronavirus records, like we just talked about with Cal, it's hard to suggest it. That's going to help UCLA right now because they, I still don't think they're super great, 
they're going to not lose as many games. Their record will not look as bad. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think they, they are improving. I think they are improving. I think so as well on the field. It, it look, it does look better than it did last season. Yeah. Um, it was good. So I ended up messing that one up. It sucks because Arizona state should be two and zero, uh, but they are not. So say less, no points for me on that one. And then Tyler, yours, you picked Arkansas over Missouri and Missouri wins this game 50 to 48. I would have been right to if one of his meddling kickers. What happened in this game, Tyler? Everything happened in this game. <laughs> there were lots of points. When this game started, they announced that Felipe Franks was dealing with an injury and would not play. So KJ Jefferson was going to start. Mm-hmm. I was incensed because I, I, I got... thought that meant I thought that meant for sure that Arkansas would lose yeah. because I didn't think that KJ Jefferson would move the ball as well. Right. I was very wrong. You were. Um it was a different way of winning. There were a couple deep shots, but they they, they moved the ball differently, mm-hmm. more so in the running game. Felipe Franks is a good runner, but he's more of a north and south, gets you three yards when you got to run into the pile runner. Yeah. Uh, KJ Jefferson's a little bit more shifty, a little bit more of your classic mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas was doing everything on offense, and Missouri was... they got Eli Drinkwitz, I think, is a good head coach. Uh, I agree. And I can confidently say that. And Arkansas got lucky. They were down 47 to 40. They drove down, scored a touchdown, and then scored a two point conversion off like a deflection. Yeah. To get a one point lead. And I thought that was it because there was about 43 seconds left. And Missouri was able to drive down the field and kick a game winning field goal. Yeah. This, this rivalry is typically excellent games. Yeah. Excellent high scoring games. Missouri lately has come out on top of them. But it did seem to me when watching it, and this is really good for me, from for what I've been saying, it did seem to me like the players on both of these sidelines really did care about what was about to happen. I was gonna game. say, like, I think I think the real winner here is your theory that this is an actual rivalry that's budding. That's that's yeah. that's budding. Well, you saw you saw Missouri tweet all about it that they've won five straight. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that's a that's a big deal. Like you don't tweet about that. Like like uh. Florida's won like, what is it like seven straight against Vanderbilt? You don't see Florida tweeting about that. No, like, we don't. Because it's not a rivalry, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and but it is a rivalry between these two teams. Exactly. And Arkansas, you see, you you know, Arkansas is going to be all up, up in arms about it when they win. So, and listen, next game, year, genuinely next year, entertaining game. These two teams are on the up. Both these teams are on the up. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. Uh, that brings our score to date: Tyler fifty-two, Sergio forty-five. I did lose two points lose two points so i am now down seven but hey listen next week we got our final week of the regular season and then the week after tyler it's conference championship week it's the final week of our uh five wide and two point season long competition all of the games will be chosen all the games will be chosen so i still have some hope and some faith you got some time i got some time so i gotta make up some ground next week and i gotta make sure i hit right on the conference games Tyler, let's wrap this episode up with moment of the week. What was your moment of the week? Uh, this is not a good moment of the week. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm just gonna. It's it's. You know how you talk a lot about how being a Dolphins fan, you hate the Jets with a passion. Yes. I'm getting there. I'm getting. I'm really getting there. <laughs> like, uh, because the. Go going to the NFL, the Jets almost they almost did it. They almost won a game. They were close today. And then with thirteen seconds left, the Raiders needing a touchdown scored on Derek, a beautiful ball with Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs for a forty six yard touchdown. Like excellent play call for everything for them. 
because the Jets ran like cover zero man coverage when you're in a prevent situation. You can never con- you can never convince me that the ownership didn't tell them to do that. Tyler, did you see what Marcus May said after the game? Yeah, I did. I did. He he said we didn't execute, but you gotta help us out. <laughs> yeah. He was he was legit like, why are you calling cover zero <laughs> at this yeah, point? Everyone it's just like I'm all for like playing man coverage because it's like when you have the right players, it's hard to beat man coverage. Like right. at its best, man coverage is probably the best pass defense. Um if you could operate perfectly, which no one really can. Uh but in that situation where you could give them every yard they want except for the one that they need. Mm-hmm. And you don't do that? <laughs> and I sat here being incensed because the Jaguars lost today. Yes. Which they almost did, and it took them to the end of overtime to get the loss, which um, it was stressing me out. Mm-hmm. But that would have put the Jaguars at the number one pick overall, and I... It, Breathe. Tanking works. Tanking, tanking works. works. Keep the faith. Tanking works. Yeah, stay the course. Stay the course. I had to, I had to talk a bunch of my Jaguars fans down that were just like, okay, we can't get the first round pick now. I want to win because we'll still get the second round pick if we win a game. And I was like, no, stay the course. Stay the course. Lose out. Lose out. I saw the mental gymnastics that you had to do with the fifth overall pick over like what quarterback you were going to get. I'm telling you, you don't want that stress. It worked out for me, but you do not want that stress. I unfortunately was not able to watch the Dolphin game today, but you tell me that Tua bounced back and had a good game, had a good day. He did. Tua, Tua played well. well um, the Dol- I, I really like the Dolphins' offense when it's between the 20s. Yep, that's been the whole uh, thing this but, season. But the red zone is a little is. A I little think weird. I think like, it's because... It's a lot of fade routes. I think it's because Gailey doesn't trust Tua entirely with the full offense. Which I get. Which I get because you saw the offense get expanded a bit more in the red zone under uh, Fitz under Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick but the issue was Fitzpatrick was throwing picks in the red zone and so <laughs> that's why they made the yeah. change because two was gonna be better in the red zone but there's that um Tyler stop me if you've heard this one before Tua Tagovailoa throws a touchdown pass to Devontae Smith don't I, I've heard that many times so uh, he did it five times once in one game he did um, he also did it to win a national championship yeah everybody talks that, I remember where I was when that happened so uh listen I'm not saying it's possible, but I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. So yeah. Just so just to recap, my moment of the week was that uh, the Jets are better at tanking it than the Jaguars, and I, I hate it. <laughs> Tyler, mine is very simple. We won the East. That's true. We won Florida the East. Florida won the SEC East. In, Our team did something in Knoxville. In Knoxville. At Steve well, the, Spurrier no. Field. At Steve Spurrier Field. Come on, oh. man. That's good. I, Let's I, be happy about that. I know you're sad I, about the am, Jags. Let's be yeah. happy about it, this. It, it's weird because Florida had kind of like, not locked it up, but Florida had kind of under the impression of, of winning it for so long. Because typically, the Georgia game is pretty late in the conference season. There are mm-hmm. two or three games left. Yeah. But it was halfway through the year this year. So there's still a possibility that it's just like, you could, like, there, there are the game, there are games left mm-hmm. to lose. Right. Like, there's a possibility. If, if you were to, there's a possibility. But, I mean, when else are you going to get a chance to uh, clinch the East in Neyland Stadium? No, feels come on. pretty good. Feels pretty um, good. Feels pretty good. Pretty but. good. Uh, Tyler. We're going to Atlanta. We're going to Atlanta. Hmm. We won the East. We got a great matchup against Alabama in two weeks. We got LSU next week. So that's what we should focus on first. 
And we just got some great college football, man. Like, it was good games this weekend. Love our sport. We got the rankings coming out on Tuesday. Uh, We will be recording on Tuesday night right after those rankings are released so that you will listen on Wednesday to all of the reactions to those rankings. Um, Tyler, I think that's it for this episode. Um, Yeah, that's uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off? Nope, just uh, continue continue to stay safe, everyone. We got one more week of the regular season. Guys, I don't really, like, it kind of doesn't really matter what happens in the postseason because it's the postseason, but we... We just got one more week, and we actually made it to the end of the yeah. college football regular season. We did, and, and all, we have, <laughs> all we have is conference championships, and I feel like those are going to be played. So I'm pretty confident. <laughs> everyone stay safe. Everyone be happy. Everyone make sure you're washing your hands, wearing your mask, keeping your distance socially. That has been another episode. This has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. We're not biased, but Kyle Trask for the Heisman. Yes, sir.